You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Who Says No, your end of the week recap, as we've got a break on Thursday. This is coming out on Friday morning, but nothing went on yesterday, so we decided to get together ahead of the Celtics game and, you know, Depending on what happens there. Pre- quick prediction. Quick prediction. Celtics. Uh, there's, uh, don't make me give my prediction. Don't make me give it. A, All right. It's going to be a blowout. But I don't know. Okay. Who here. I'll I'll say one thing. Okay. They're not going to come back. It's not going to happen. It's definitely not going to happen. However, mm-hmm. if there was one team, if there was one team or one situation where a three zero comeback could happen, it would be when a two seed is down against an eight seed has two of the final three games at home. And one of the eight seeds, better players is down in Gabe Vincent. So hope is here, but hopefully by the time, hopefully by the time y'all are listening to this, it's not over, over. And we are going back to Miami three to two. That can't be your take. Come on. That was was the safest. Here we go. Take. I'm I'm going to say, I'm going to say, here we go. It's not happening. That's my take. It's not happening. It's happening. That's my take. The Celtics are going to be powered by McFarland tonight because that's what the Bradfoe show is powered by. Malcolm Brogdon's not going to look like he's hurt at all. He's going to wait to get that Tommy John in the offseason. But the Celtics will power through. Mainly, I'm just saying that because I need content. Breaking Boston, if you haven't subscribed yet, go subscribe. We just need something to talk about before we do Red Sox every day from you know June to August. But... We're back with the Bradfoe show. It was, or it's still a shaky West Coast trip. Things have been looking better. The Red Sox are tied for last right now in the AL East, despite having, I think, yesterday, Wednesday, when I looked, they were still the eighth best record in baseball, kind of just showing how dominant the AL East has been. If you go to MLB, John Boy, all of them, they've been putting out graphics for like the last week showing how dominant the AL East has been. But Sammy, you just hit us with some news right before we hopped on. Red Sox might not be in last anymore. Uh, It's close. Uh, Toronto is losing 5-1 to in the seventh inning to Tampa. I don't see Tampa's bullpen imploding like that. But crazier things have happened. They did just give up a 20 spot, although I think nine of those runs came from position players pitching. But still, crazier things can happen. But hopefully by the time everyone's listening to this tomorrow, the Red Sox will will have half a game lead over the last place Blue Jays. Let's go. Maybe, maybe by the end of this episode, we have an update and we can give that to the people, despite them probably already knowing just looking at their MLB app. But the Red Sox now... Alec Manoa's- Alec Ooh. Manoa's five walk or Alec Manoa is not powered by McFarland no. Energy. Furthest thing, tell. He's, he's running on five cold. guys. The dude, yeah, he's yeah, he's running on like that nineteen twenty shit. He's like, using um, he's using whale blubber or whale oil just to power himself. <laughs> whale, yes, whale blubber. I like that. Guys, powered by Tim Hortons. Let me tell you, <laughs> not enough. <laughs> That's why America runs on Duncan. Not sponsored. No free ads. But we are heading into a series against Arizona, which has been a sneaky good team in the NL West, which also a tough division. They're supposed to be a tough division. Uh, But the team that came out and said, go ahead and buy your big market guys. We're just going to hit you to death. They're hitting teams to death. And 
with the pitching now kind of taking the role of they're now firm and almost solidified to how they should be, and the bats now kind of puttering around, not really knowing where they are, it'll be an interesting series. I don't think it's going to be a defining series. I would have hoped this last game would have been, as Lou Merloni put it beforehand, the defining game in the series. But you got swept by the Angels, and tough look. Tough look. I don't. How are you boys feeling after that? Um, I mean, that stunk. And it being on the West Coast, so you got to stay up all night just to get kicked where it hurts. It stinks. And what makes it even worse is they – look at those pitching matchups. Jamie Berea, that's a reliever, a middle reliever, went five shutout innings. Game two was who? Canning, who, you know – He's supposed to be a good pitcher, but he's got a seven ERA coming into that game. I believe you laughed as you went through the pitching rotation matchup. Oh, yeah. In that last episode. Not not to dump on you here, but take the clip. It's like a layup. Those are three like layup wins, right? Not maybe not layup because the Angels can hit a little bit, but at least two out of three. They didn't even come close. That was so I hate when people say unwatchable, but that was the most unpleasant series of the entire year it wasn't it was like, like you killed happened. you yeah it was a boring it was a boring series not we're all about baseball not being boring here but yeah it was a boring series and maybe part of that has to do series. with like the lack of sleep but it yeah it stunk like your pitcher showed up they did what they needed to do tanner Houck, unbelievable performance and the bats just earned him a spot in the rotation yeah yeah hey big news coming from gresham fourier there so we're not going to be yeah. seeing our guy Kluber anymore. Sad day. Sad day, bad day? Absolutely not. Kluber's heading to the pen for, I'm going to say, a month. I, he took it well, we'll say. He took it very took well, it well. Very professional. took it like a he said, uh, he said, uh, what is he? I'm not going to feel bad for myself. I got to pitch better. So he said all the right things. So credit him for that. He, he, didn't, uh, it. he didn't Pavetta it, kind of make it a... Uh, a little drama. I think if Pavetta hey. doesn't happen, oh, I, you probably still don't see that happening. He's a vet, but I think the Pavetta thing made that much more. Like when I saw the whole like chorus saying he took it like a champ and that, you know, he's being a professional about it. And then you see the audio clips coming out and it's just kind of like, well, yeah, like he's a veteran and you just witnessed the guy get eviscerated by the media for making one little comment about not wanting to go to the pen. Like that's of course going to happen. All right, fine. No credit for Kluber then. All right. Hey, hey we're PR guys here. We <laughs> we understand how things go. It's important. Listen, he it. seems like he seems like he's a good guy, knowledgeable baseball dude, like all by all means like a borderline legend. Like he he's been around, he gets it. Like he knows he's not pitching well enough. Like mm-hmm. I mean, he knows there's multiple things he needs to be doing better. Like he's not stupid. And it's also a matter of no, it, the hopes is at that age, besides collecting a little bit of money each biweekly, how do you think I that'd be a question for a big leaguer how often they actually get paid or how they can structure their pay? Uh, but besides collecting checks, once you get to that age, you're really just chasing a ring. Like if you don't yeah. have it yet, you're most likely going mm-hmm. for it. I would imagine him signing with the Red Sox was him saying, This team may or may not be able to compete, but it can at least get me to the step where a com- like a competitive team would want to trade for me and he's losing yeah. ground on that. Yeah. So if he's coming out and he's saying like, I'm making demands, I don't want to be in the bullpen. It's either you lose your opportunity to keep your foot in the door or you just, you just grin and bear it. Like that's just what you have to do in order to be on a competitive team. So I, I like the move. 
I I'm happy that things are getting worked out. I'm happy that he's getting to remain a big leaguer and he's still getting a shot. I think he deserves that at the very least, but yeah, I, I don't see the experiment lasting much longer than the all-star break. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right on that coop. I think when you put Kluber in the pen, you like a lot of people right now are are saying, why not DFA? His stuff's not going to play in the pen. We've talked about that. Like I, I think we all agree his stuff is probably not going to play very well in the pen. You know, high eighties fastball. That's not really your typical reliever. But uh, in the group chat, Rob brought up a good point. And I totally agree. Um, you've got guys coming back. Garrett Whitlock's coming off an injury. He's going to make his first start coming up. And James Paxson has made three starts since he got her or since he came back from injury. Chris Sale has been often injured in the past, and Tanner Houck had. What was it? Back surgery for how? Back surgery. Uh, yes. Back, back surgery. surgery for how? Yeah. Whitlock on the hip, Hauk on the back. Yep. So you got a bunch of guys who have been hurt, and yes, you have Nick Pavetta my in the bullpen. My back. Yeah, exactly. But you've got you've got a bunch of guys who who have been hurt who are going to need to prove that they can pitch and stay healthy. And then your minor league depth. You know, Brian Mata's hurt. Brandon Walter took a step back. Chris Murphy took a step back. Like it's just not the same down there. So it makes sense, you know, for, like you said, Coop, a month, show, have these guys show that they're healthy, see what you've got out of Corey Kluber in the pen. You're paying him 10 million bucks. You might as well pull out all the stops. If guys get hurt, like, unfortunately, you're going to have to do what you got to do and put them back in the rotation. If everyone stays healthy and Kluber continues to struggle, you know, then you'll have guys like Wyatt Mills getting healthy, you know, John Schreiber getting healthy. Maybe Richard Blyer comes back. Ooh. Like, we'll see. Why not? Like, so... <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Keep them around. They, the Red Sox are all about roster flexibility. I, it was a little bit surprising to not see a fake IL stint, but I don't know. I, I think that they're going to keep him around as long as they possibly can. Like, you, they'll cut bait when, like, it's painfully obvious that it's time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did you – I'm not sure. Did you mention Paxton, too? I can't – I mean, nobody would be surprised if he went down. That's another one. That's a pretty yeah, exactly decent rotation, but it's a fragile rotation. So – that's that's part of the question I want to dive into, but do you guys want to get to... Let's just finish off before we move on to what's going to be going on. What what we evaluate Heim's moves with and how they look going forward. Uh, real quick, we finish off the recap from from the, the series or the, from this losing skit, as I put it in the group chat. Uh, what's been your biggest concerns from this? I mean, like... Like I said, it's a skid. It's not a temporary falling off or a permanent falling off the cliff type, you know, action that's going on. It's a skid. So, like, I mean, what's what's one thing that has been concerning to you? But also, is there, you know, a little bit of upside? Like, you're not, you you see this turning around. Yeah. So, um, it, it's tough for me to say I'm concerned about much when we're still in May. I know we're about a third of the way through the season, but. Uh, a ton of games left. My lone concern, if you even want to call it a concern, Jaron Duran. Last five games, some numbers, 0 for 19, eight strikeouts, has not walked, hasn't had an extra base hit since last Tuesday, so we're more than a week removed from that. Hasn't had a hit since last Friday, so he's going to go a week between hits. And this is not the first time we've seen this. We saw this last year. When he came up this year and he started performing, we talked about, do you flip this guy really quickly in a trade while he's hot? He did this last year and then he fell off a cliff. Now we're seeing him struggle. The question is, 
Does he fall off that cliff again or continue to fall? Or does he make an adjustment that he wasn't able to make last year? And it seems like his mindset is better this year. So I'm not, you know, crazy concerned. I'm not freaking out about this. But it's definitely a concern. And I don't know how you guys feel, but it feels like we've done this song and dance before. It's a little nerve wracking. I think that's exactly that's exactly the reason why a lot of people are concerned is because we've seen we've seen this before. This is what kind of what happened last year. Last year was a little bit quicker of a burn. He was he was hot and cold and then or he was hot and then he got cold a little bit quicker than it happened this time. But yeah, no, I, I even as the resident Jaron Duran guy, I, I understand if people that people are concerned. The strikeouts are are concerning. You know, even when he was hot, he was still striking out a little bit and not walking very much. What I will say is that the defense is still good. Mm-hmm. He he has gone from a year ago losing a grand slam in in the twilight and letting it fall right behind him and not going after it to this year trying to deke a base runner into thinking that he lost the ball so he could try to get a double play out of it. So even when he struggles at the plate, if he provides you defense, you can continue to ride him out. I thought maybe yesterday would have been an opportunity to get him a day off to get him back-to-back days, but they chose to do that with Verdugo, which is fine because he struggled too. But yeah, I mean, Sammy, like you said, Jaron Duran's mindset is going to be what makes or breaks his year for him. Like he, The way he talks and the way people talk about him, it sounds like he's in a different place mentally this year. Mm-hmm. But, you know... We don't really know that until he's tested, and now he's being tested. So we're going to have to see how he responds to this. You know, it got some some games in Arizona. Eventually, they're going to come back home and play in Fenway Park. And I think, you know, if it doesn't happen in Arizona, that could that could be helpful for him is some time back at Fenway Park. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to see. This is a make or break time period for him. Yeah, that that's going to be big when they get back. You kind of just want this road trip to end, and then you got Cincinnati coming in. They don't really. They don't have the best best pitching staff in the world. So kind of looking for them to survive this series with a very underrated Arizona team. And, you know, if Duran doesn't get it going in Arizona, I'm still not going to be full on panic mode. But if they get home and he's still struggling after a series with Cincinnati, and then I can't remember who's after that, but man, really want to see him turn it on again, because you want to believe, you want to think that the guy turned the corner, you're, uh, head of the ship for the Durant should be an all-star campaign. So we're all rooting for him. It's just, we, like I just said, we've seen this song and dance before. Let's just hope it's not the same thing. Yeah. I mean, as someone, as someone that was a giant Jaron Duran hater last year, I'm shocked by how much I haven't been concerned by what's been going on. I I mean, the thing that keeps me optimistic is you, you bring up Jackie Bradley Jr. And it's kind of like, the, the thing that kept you optimistic about Jackie Bradley Jr. during his slumps was that he was known for his defense. Like you were always told. And then as soon as he was up here, you always kind of like witnessed the immaculate defense that he had criminal, 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 criminally, criminally, criminally low amount of gold gloves for him. I'll, I'll say that. Um, yeah. But that's because gold glove is based on star power. And if you're not hitting the hell out of the ball, then like, you're not really going to get noticed. That's yeah. the thing with Jaron Duran. Jaron Duran isn't really known for his defensive prowess. He's he came up being known for his speed and for his contact. So obviously, like the one thing that he is good at, at, you're not really witnessing right now. That's a bit of the concern. The other thing though is I'm not worried about his defense. Last year, I looked at him as like a defensive liability. This year, I don't really see that as much, and I would rather 
now that we've gotten a glimpse that he is much more into the contact hitting, you know, Alex Cora talked about wanting him to stay a contact hitter rather than hitting for power in the offseason. Something that plagued Verdugo, something that, or not Verdugo, uh, Ben Attendee, and something that Verdugo recognized and changed. Uh, so, like, I'm hanging optimistic. I'm not someone that's going to be pessimistic about this. It is the bridge year about developing guys, as we say every goddamn episode. So you mm-hmm. just have to hang in with these guys. And if, like, it's, I don't want to say, like, give them a month because I feel like our, our leash is always a month here on this show, but that's what you have to do with him. If we hit like another two weeks of his batting average going down and his K rate going up, then yeah, I'm going to start to be like, yeah, we need to maybe start thinking of getting him off the field more routinely and giving him breaks to kind of work on things. But otherwise I'm, I'm not there. On the bright side too, you have Duvall coming back fairly soon. It seems so when he Two comes back, that's that's June less 9th, baby. Awesome, yeah, that's soon. So less at bats against lefties for Duran. If you platoon those guys, maybe that gets him going. Yeah, I, I really do think that, you know, if it doesn't come together in the next two weeks, that is going to be a huge, huge bonus for us is getting that bat back. Not not just because we need a bat in the lineup and we need a right-handed bat in the lineup, but because with Duran, if he's still slumping, like the way to get these guys out of it, and they've definitely been trying to do it with Casas, is to pick your matchups, pick your spots with these guys, like put them in a position to succeed. Like just because we're in a developmental year doesn't mean you're going to throw them out there every day. It means you're going to try to develop and to 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 develop these guys is to put them in position to succeed and with Duran maybe that means exclusively right-handers maybe that means picking specific right-handers like Adam Duvall when he's back should play against every left-handed pitcher and whether that's at Duran's expense or at someone else's like Duvall is going to be in there so it's just going to be a matter of I guess how does Duran respond over the next couple weeks and that'll determine what the lineups look like once Adam Duvall comes back Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's. Yeah. I hope he's not. He's not feeling it too much. I mean, like we've said, mm-hmm. Coop mentioned a million times. Ridge year development's most important. We want to see them win, but slow burn this year. I'm being more patient than I've ever been, and it's very painful. We're but zen. We are zen on the Bradfoe show. We are zen. Hey, Tanner Houck. We were all patient with him. Starting to look like it's going to pay off. Knock on wood. I think he pitches Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. So. Let's go with the Bradford show. Come on. We headlined this. We said. Are we just, are we breaking get, news just like before everyone else? Can we just chalk that up? Like we're just, we're gurus with baseball. Yeah. We know what we're talking we, about, Coop. We always know what we're talking about. That's why you got to tune in, subscribe, listen. Yeah. Just chill. Just chill and let these guys develop. I, oh my God. People talking the other day about sending Casas down. No. Like, who oh, are you going to no. Who are you going to put it first? Turner just missed two games because he has a sore knee. You want the 38-year-old? Old, old man old Jenkins guy. out there? I'd take Dude, youth. He's great. He's, I'll take youth he's every great. day. He's, he's almost 40. He can't be out there every day. He would probably agree with that. He'd be like, yeah, no. Let let these guys develop. I'm sorry. This is not a World Series team. you got nothing to lose. Let them develop. If you make the playoffs, awesome. It, but we'll burn. Yeah. And, and like that kind of carries me to, I mean, my concern. I We talked about it before the show, Connor Wong. Not a not like a huge concern. Like he is getting right now over, I believe it's fifty one percent of starts right now, uh, between him and McGuire. So he is being kind of 
lined up much like Duran is you are going to be the future of this team. We're trying to develop you into our everyday catcher. I don't know if that's still a thing in baseball where I, I like having tandem catchers. I like being able to mix and match and have like pitchers kind of have options with what they're comfortable with for whoever's calling their game. But Connor Wong, it, it, like he hits the ball. Well, I love it. He hits the ball. Goddamn. Well, the only thing though, is that his K rate is the second highest on this team only behind his tandem McGuire right now. Uh, and if we're doing unqualified guys, Bobby Dahlbeck, number one ahead. The Wait, McGuire is number one. I do believe so. Let me check this out one more time. Yeah, Maguire, he's at 30.4%, whereas Conor Wong has 30.1K rate. Um, yeah. Like it, wow, I never That's kind of like what me. you expect it, out of your catcher. Like your catchers me. are never... He's your... been striking out a lot lately. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. the thing is, just he went four for... What was it? Four for 14 over the last 10 games we were talking about, which that's not a terrible performance. It's not ideal. It's about average. Maybe that's what you kind of expect a little below it. But the issue is, is mm-hmm. that he's striking out way too much for my liking. And my whole thing, my, my philosophy of baseball is if your average is going down, I just said it average going down K rate going up. You're just not putting the ball in play. I would rather you see, I would rather see you guys ground out 10 times out of 10 than hit like a home run and strike out nine times. Like that just, so, it's good production baseball. Coop little, little counter to your point. Oh, uh, I know four for 14 is not great, and the strikeout rate isn't good, but his OPS has gone up on this road trip. He's one of the few guys who's seen their OPS go up from 703 to 738, I believe. And he's never going to be the best hitter on the team, like you just alluded to. But if those hits that he is getting, if those are extra base hits, he had a home run last night, one of the few bright spots of the uh, Angels series, a double the night before, or maybe the night before that. If those are extra base hits and you continue to get, you know, decent speed on the base paths and excellent defense at catcher, I can live with that. Mm-hmm. It's not the greatest, but I can live with that. Plus, cheap contract, young guy. It seems like the pitching staff likes him. So it would be great to cut down on the strikeouts. But overall, I'm really, really liking the season we're getting for Connor Wong. And what an awesome swing he has. Oh. When he makes contact, beautiful. Catchers always do. Catchers always, like, I, I think this is just because catchers are, like, the nerd of like the baseball field where they're just going to do everything textbook. So when you see them take a cut, like Jason Veritek, not the best hitter in the world, but if you ever go back and watch his swings, it's kind of a, like it's, it's not Manny Ramirez, but it's a nice cut. Buttery. Oh, so smooth. It's <laughs> so smooth. But in, in, I do agree with you. Like I like seeing extra base hits. I like seeing him being able to, you know, power the ball and move guys around the bases. But again, like the, the only thing I want to see is that K rate go down because I'm just a stickler for seeing guys be moved around the bases. They, the line will move as Cora. And that's their approach too, Coop. Yeah. I mean, it, that's, that's what, what they're they going after. That's what they want. That's what they've been trying to do is cut that from last year to this year. They got a bunch of guys cut down on strikeouts, try to try to put the ball in play. But at least as it pertains to Wong, I just think that if his defense remains as good as it is, we should be at the point with him where it's like anything offensively is a bonus. And like, like you guys said, four for 14 in the, in the, what is it on the road trip or in the series? 10 games. So I don't, that's not okay. the entire, cause they played 12 on this series so far or in this road trip. No. He's, Wait, he's no. played, so, so Connor Wong has played, played six, he's, three, he's played three in San Diego, games. three, sorry, uh, three in San Diego, three at Anaheim, 
thought that was it. Okay, yeah, That's so it. we're at six. I don't why was I thinking twelve? He's played uh four of those games. And he Right. Yeah. He's kind of the starter. Like you you said he's played like just over fifty one percent. Is that if that's right, then that I mean he's been playing way more than that lately. Because Reese it felt like Reese kind of had the job at the start of the year and it kind of shifted to Wong once they realized that he was a much better defender. But I mean, to be honest with you, if we can look back at the end of the year and Connor Wong is one of the top five defensive catchers in baseball and he's also hit 10 to 15 home runs, we'll take that. Like, we will yeah. take it. Give it. Give me give me catcher defense. Like, that is not something that I was – that I knew really. Like, it's like the Shaq meme. Like, I, I'm sorry. I just wasn't familiar with your game. Like, that's where I'm at with Wong's defense. Like, it is so much better. Like, I, I just didn't see this as being – a strength of the Red Sox coming into the year. And, you know, after that first series with Baltimore where guys were running left and right, I just, I just didn't know. It's been a lot better. Oh boy. Oh yeah. Look we got this. the fan graphs breakdown. Um, kind of shocking when you do look at the percentages. I, I, what's who, who caught, who gets you guys in the most off guard here? How is Alfaro on the catcher list? He so says that's, he's played 5% of games. That's what I'm confused about. And I think that, means that they're including spring training here. I don't, if someone from Fangraphs yes. can hit our line and let us know what's going on, because this is... Everywhere else looks... Oh, yeah, it has Brandon Walter at 1% too. Yeah. That's weird. So, guys, more on the Connor Wong topic. One of you just said, or I think it was Gordo, any sort of production they get... So, uh, Mark, I want to continue on the Connor Wong topic. Uh, Gordo just said, with the defense he plays, any sort of offensive production that the Red Sox get out of him is kind of like a bonus. Right now, 95 OPS plus. So, for people who aren't aware, the average OPS plus is always 100. So, that means that Wong is just 5% below the average major league hitter. Those hits that he's getting are for power, like I mentioned, hence his 738 OPS. So if you got a guy like that, uh, by the way, 1.1 war already. So if you got a guy like that, that's super valuable. I mean, I don't think anyone's complaining about that. The one complaint would be what Coop said. Cut down on the strikeouts a little bit, and we're really cooking with fire. I like this kid a lot. And he's young. Like, this is his first real cup of – like, he got a really quick cup of coffee in, in the bigs at the end of last year. But, like, just like we're saying with Tristan Casas, like, everyone, we're all preaching patience with him. It's the same thing with Wong. Like this guy's going to develop at the big league level, and he's going to get better as a hitter. You would you would think. Just turned twenty seven last week. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty four seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. I like that. So like he's, that he's entering his, kind of like his athletic prime. <laughs> yeah, they they all like they all like Wong. That's that's the important thing. They all they all seem to really like him, and he's got a cannon. Yeah, can yeah. That's another thing. Controls the base running game, which is more important than ever. It's like when we were when we were younger watching baseball. That's when controlling the base running game was important, and now with the new rules, it's important again. So Connor Wong. Great foresight by Heim Bloom to get a guy like that. So big Connor Wong over here. He wasn't just like a full time catcher at that time. You know, with the Dodgers, he was more of a utility guy who was just dabbling in catching. And now he comes over here and they've developed him into what he is. So you yeah. got to give credit where it's due. And not the usual build for a catcher either. He's kind of a slim, slim athletic guy, whereas most catchers you think are like thick boys, like Cal Raleigh on Seattle or uh, our guy or Reese. Reese, yeah, Reese is a little dense. So <laughs> big Connor Reese, Reese is dragging away. He's dense. He's dense. He's dense. <laughs> but on that note, uh, Gordo, any concerns from you? Yeah, no, my concern, I, I, it's not an individual guy. It's more of a team thing. One thing that we have talked about with the Red Sox all year is that they go up against, it doesn't matter what starting pitcher they go up against. They're going to get him out of there you know, five, five innings, six innings or whatever. And, and the Red Sox, I, I bet they still do, but at least a week or two ago, they led, they led the league in forcing out, forcing pitchers out of games before completing five innings. And they haven't done that since Blake Snell pitched on Friday. Yeah. Friday, Friday, the 19th, the first game of the road trip, they forced Blake Snell out four innings, haven't done it since. And that includes the pitching matchups we saw with the angels and even crazier, it included a bullpen game. Like they were going to, they were going to bullpen it with Berea and they, he ended up completing five innings and the Red Sox really got nothing going on them. They didn't walk a single time that game. And they've, they've walked a few times the last couple of games. So it's getting a little bit better, but you know, over the last four games, the approach, it just hasn't looked the same. We've seen guys chasing balls out of the strike zone. And that includes the one guy on the team who's actually been hitting like Masa Yoshida is the only guy on the team who has continued to hit, but I've seen him swing at ball four at least three times mm-hmm. in the Angel series alone. And, you know, I saw, we saw other guys doing it too. Uh, Casas in that same inning, I, I, I was tweeting about it a bunch that inning, so I was paying extra close attention to it. But yeah, guys are swinging at, swinging at pitches they shouldn't be swinging at. You know, they're still, you know, drawing some walks, but, you know, the potential is, is far higher if these guys just settle in and, really remember what made them so great for the first month and change, which is just being selective, waiting for your pitch, not being too overly aggressive. You know, your pitch is going to come. And if it doesn't, you'll take, you'll take a walk and you know, the next guy will hit it. But yeah, I mean, it's not something I'm like super concerned is going to, you know, continue, you know, over the long, over the long term. I mean, we've, the sample size tells us that, you know, they're going to hit and they have the correct approach. But, you know, it's something that has concerned me lately, and I, I really hope that they were going to get it together for the last game of that Angel series and avoid the sweep. But, you know, it was kind of the same. They got down early and never really put together, you know, a fight outside of loading the bases and not getting anything out of it. Yeah, a lot of um, a lot of falling behind in counts. Credit to the Angels. All three of their starters threw strike one, which is yep. I think the most underrated thing you can do as a pitcher is throwing strike one. Uh, the, every single metric, every number supports that. It's a huge advantage if you can do that. So it's tough, man. You want these guys to be patient and work walks and get on base because that's what they've been doing all year. But if you're getting pitches right down the middle, you got to swing. So it's kind of like 
you almost got to just tip your cap to the Angels. They took advantage of a struggling team. They didn't give them any freebies and swept them. Is that the book I'm on the Sox if, now? Like, is well, it just that's the thing? Is like can, the Angels you have, have to throw to... them strikes? Yeah, I mean, that's not gonna that's not gonna hold up. It's just like you know, it's a team struggling, so just throw them strikes. They're gonna get themselves out eventually. Yeah. There's gonna come. There's gonna be that game where they explode for like 12 runs, and we're all gonna be like, "Oh man, where has this been for the last week?" That's always what happens. So that game will come, whether it's in Arizona or back in Boston when the Reds come to town. But it's just frustrating right now. They got to work through it. Every team goes through this, unless you're the 2018 Red Sox. So they'll get out of it. We just got to be patient, like we've been all year, Zen mode. Arizona, highest elevation in baseball. I'm feeling a big big night what one of these three games what are you what talking about colorado right what? it's gotta be colorado no arizona arizona is the highest elevated baseball field in the mlb go get high in How's arizona that, that because phoenix's phoenix's elevation is like crazy i'm almost then why don't people on. talk about it like we always talk about oh they guys have, at they have field, the humidor yeah. like they're in a like the entire stadium is almost like a humidor because it's a dome i think you're wrong here it looks no. like colorado's <laughs> About four times higher. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Am I that wrong? Phoenix's elevation is 1,086 feet. Colorado God. is 1,280. So you're off by about 4,200 feet. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I think it was so much higher? Yeah. I was like, it has to be Colorado. No, but they definitely have like the humidor and everything. Like I've definitely seen. Let's Doesn't see. everywhere have a humidor now? Well, Don't we have it? They're about 1,042. Well, Fenway's like the opposite. Like the ball, like at Fenway, I believe Fenway. I'm, I'm not even going to make the statement. I'm not going to do it again. I was going to say Fenway <laughs> has the lowest elevation, but we drive. I don't know anything. No, the Fenway definitely. I mean, if it if Fenway's 42 feet above sea level or 46 feet, Phoenix or wherever the Diamondbacks play, 1,086. So it's a little elevated. Maybe the ball will go a, a couple more feet, which last God, night, if so... the ball went a couple more feet, yeah, Kike almost had a home run. I think Atlanta's 1,050 feet? Yeah, that's not that much. That's that's like a little elevation. Yes, I'm five foot nine. That's a whole lot to me, all right? <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Almost that but, All right. Besides the egg on my face, I still think that they can get the bats together there. I don't. Whatever. Yeah. Put it in the put it in the hot tub. Do they still have the hot tub? I don't even know what's going yeah, on. Yeah. No, they do. They got okay, that. Yes. Put it in the hot tub. If we if someone put puts it, in the, it hot in the hot tub, yeah, we we need someone to put it in the hot tub. So put put it in the tub. Pitching matchups tomorrow or today. Let's hear him. Today, if you're listening, Chris Sale, who's mm-hmm. hottest pitcher on the planet right now, versus TBD. Oh, T- Tyler, Billy, Dunkirk. Yep. yep, Tyler, Billy, Dunkirk. And then the next game, Garrett Whitlock makes his long-awaited return, and okay. TBD starts his second game in a row. Ah, uh, Trevor, Brian, Dilbert. Trevor Dilbert. Brian, and then Dilbert. Big Dilbert guy. Game Big three. D up on the mound Saturday. Tanner Houck on Sunday versus... You want to guess who's pitching? Paxton, or not Paxton? Uh, Corey Kluber. No, no, it's oh it's yeah. Let's, let's trade Sunday. Kluber. No, we're gonna trade Kluber we're gonna over trade to Kluber Arizona within we'll... the next two days. Trade yeah. for TBD. Maybe we can get TBD back in exchange for. Kluber. Oh, we're gonna get Travis. Uh... Baseball Darno. Yes, Travis oh, Baseball Darno. Darno. Um, no, it's also TBD on Sunday. 
which is a little bit confusing. But at the same time, it looks like Zach Gallen is pitching on Monday. So I think the Red Sox luck out and miss Gallen. Thank goodness. That's not who you want to I, see when you're ice cold. Selfishly, I really wanted to watch him play. Like, I know it would have been ugly for the Red Sox, but selfishly, like, I, I want to watch him pitch. We'll Is see. it a hot take to think that it actually may have helped the Red Sox to face Zach Gallen? Because yes, it seems like take. they like put on that a different an hat. Extremely hot take. They put on a different hat against these elite pitchers. Like I feel like they haven't been shut down by an elite pitcher all season. Like we get shut down by Griffin Canning, but like you know Joe Musgrove takes the mound and it's, you know it's easy cooking for the Sox. <laughs> we need a Garrett Cole to get us right. Oh, oh can't wait feed me. for that. I can't. I can't awesome. wait for June. Yoshida's gonna. Yoshida's gonna hit an opposite field home run. He's going to pull a home run versus Garrett Cole. Adam Duvall's first home run back off of Garrett Cole. That's a hot take. Put it in the box. I'm, I'm in. Let's book it, Coop. This is, this is right after me saying the Red Sox will finish June in second place, and they have lost every game since. <laughs> you did say that. Yeah. <laughs> We're, we we got a long way to go, though, so we'll see. And they're about It's to- not even June yet. It's not even June yet. Let's see. Let's I'm see. Are they... Uh... Oh, my God. Toronto's rallying. They got the bases loaded. No. 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 They have to tack on another run. So they're going to need a grand slam, and then they're going to need another run, and there's already one. Who didn't knock on wood? Who didn't? I need I to know. Didn't. Who didn't? I have, I have wood right in front of me. I didn't knock on it. You, he clearly said knock on wood. Yeah. I am. Um, but regardless, I want to move on to our final topic here before the Blue Jays inevitably come back and ruin this whole Red Sox not in last place thing anymore. Uh, I'm Bloom, and we touched. We started to touch upon this. I wanted to derail what Gordo was talking about because he was heading towards it. Uh, Corey Kluber to the bullpen. We all talked about how we like it. We all talked about how we want to see him do another month there. Oh, I didn't say I liked it. Oh, okay. Well, f you then. <laughs> Learn him to go on the IL. All right. <laughs> oh, a little little ILDFA. A little shoulder yeah. strain, you know? Your calf is sore. Yeah. Boom, you can't pitch. Just, just chill. For I me. don't hate that. But you still want to keep them. That's the thing. And that's the whole root of what I'm trying to get at here of Heimbloom sacrificed a Xander Bogart's contract, a Trey Turner contract, a Dansby Swanson contract, a Carlos Correa. Co- Stop crying. Carlos Correa contract. Uh, any big name pitcher contracts, Justin Verlander, DeGrom, Eovaldi add him to the list. But Oof. that's because he doesn't enjoy long-term commitment. And that's not to say that you can't give out, you know, big contracts on one-year, two-year deals. Look at, as Trevor Bauer likes to say, he created that whole system. Uh, but any any pitcher will tell you that they typically do sign smaller contracts when they're younger and still like producing uh, is it a tactic? Is it a smart tactic? Are we, cause you see people lambasting him saying, Oh, you spent so much money on this Corey Kluba. He was an age starter. Are we shocked that this happened? And it's like, no, but like, we're not entirely shocked. We knew he was an older pitcher. He was decent with Tampa, but he did show signs of regression, especially over the last couple of years before that, since leaving the guardians, uh, but it's the gamble that like Heim plays. Like we have so many smaller contracts where you're able to pick up like a, a one year, two year, three year with maybe team options for those second and third years. 
for like seven to eleven million dollars because it allows you to be like, all right, this guy didn't work out, but we can also bank on all these younger guys with smaller contracts to the point where it's not going to hurt us that much. And it I that's where I'm coming from on this. I think people that are, you know, exaggerating, oh, I'm Bloom wasting all this money again, refuse to sign anyone of significance for these bums. And it's like, no. He took a gamble on these guys. It was a sizable gamble, but you're not tied up to them for five X years. You're tied up to them for just this season at best. And that's kind of what we talk about the bridge here, but maintaining like, you know, competition in your bridge here. That's exactly what Heim Bloom does with these deals. And I don't know if that's just me. I don't know if I'm the only one seeing that, but where are you guys falling on this? I, I have a pretty strong stance on this. I don't think it makes any sense to sign these big long-term contracts when you're not 100% sure that your team can contend. Look at the Rockies with Chris Bryant. What is that doing for them? That's just making it harder for them to rebuild. And I know that's not the best example because they're run like a clown show, but it just doesn't make any sense. We, we don't. We had no clue if Hauk was going to be a starter. Whitlock's still up in the air. Is Paxton healthy? What's Sale going to look like? I could go on and on and on. Casas, the catching situation, the outfield. Who's what's Yoshida going to be like? That's that's like the. There's just story. Where's he going to be? There's so many question marks. It made no sense to go after one of these long-term deals. Will it make sense next year? Probably a lot more sense than it would this year. Now that we know we have some guys, but like these people want instant gratification, and it's never going to end in something positive. None of these teams who are bad who sign a big free agent to make a splash. It never, ever works. You need a good team before you supplement with a big free agent. And here's a good example of it. Hate to say it. The Yankees in what, 2017? Very good team. Didn't expect to be that good. Very good team. What did they do? Supplemented it with Garrett Cole. That's what you do. And Stanton, that's what you do. You wait until you have a good young core with guys who you want to keep around long-term, like Rafael Devers that we have now, and then you supplement it with a big name free agent. Last year was not the time. Yoshida made a lot of sense. Kind of a flyer, expensive, but not crazy expensive. But only five years too. Not gonna like handicap. I, five years is a big year. commitment. But yeah, doesn't it doesn't hamstring. Yeah. So I, I I'm cool with it. I know everyone hates it. I'm cool with the slow slow build. Look at the Astros. They were worse for a lot longer. And now they're good every single year because they went through those brutal years. Now their system is unstoppable. It churns out talent. They make good signings, except for Jose Abreu. And they're always contending. That's what the Red Sox are aiming for. You just have to be patient. And that's why I love the Yoshida deal so much because it's a five-year commitment to him. You have five years to show him that Boston is the place you want to be for the rest of your career. Because I think he can be like a, a lifelong player. It's what you do within those five years to prove to him that you deserve to stay here and we have the f- financial flexibility to make sure you can stay here. Not in last I want to give no. I want to give an example oh, to your yeah. point, Jimmy. Fourth place, baby. Oh yeah. Hey. Way to go, Fourth place. Jays. Way to go. We did it. <laughs> Sammy, to your to your point, and you were given a couple examples. Let's look let's look in house, because the Red Sox have done both. They've done they've done the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to like 20, the 2014, 2015, you know, when the Red Sox were terrible. They supplemented after 2014 with Hanley and Pablo when they had nothing coming. Like they, yeah. they made two big signings to make a splash because 
ownership wanted to react to a last place finish and it didn't do anything. And all it did was handicap you in the future. You, you, you couldn't spend in the future when you needed it. And then let's fast forward a couple of years. You know, Xander Bogarts has come up and he's established. Mookie Betts has come up and now he's established. Benintendi's on the rise. Like Jackie Bradley came up. And what do you do then? Now that these guys are up, they're established. You've still got years of control on them, but they're like getting to that all-star level. What do you do? We sign David Price. The next year we trade for Chris Sale. Mm -hmm. And then we sign JD Martinez. You supplemented that young talent with your free agent push. And what does that do? Wins you a World Series in 2018. This was a team that was a playoff, a legitimate playoff contender for three years, and it should have been longer because of the way they went about it. And they should go about it in a similar way. The only thing I would change, well, I don't know. They just they just have to draft and develop a little bit better than they did in the Dombrowski era. That's oh pretty much God. it. I, actually, I, was, yeah. I was going through the, the Dombrowski draft history. It's bad. bad. Laughably bad. Casas, yeah. Hauk. Nothing else. Four years. He got Duran. You. Yeah, true. Okay. Duran. No song. Four years. He got you. <laughs> no less, song. Less than three major league regulars. He got you Mike Schwerin. Oh, I remember that guy. He stunk. Caught a stray. Sorry, Mike Schwerin, if you're listening. But yeah, no, you, you need to draft. Well, uh, that's a great example. I, I totally forgot about David Price. David Price, Chris Sale, JD Martinez, best Red Sox team of all time. There you go. You can't just make it happen overnight. There's no team that's ever done that. Since since like the early 2000s, late 90s, when the Yankees were the only team with money, there has been nobody to do that because you can't. You need all three facets. You need good drafting, smart trades, smart free agent signings. Red Sox have done, I would say, two out of the three. Good trades, good drafting. Now they can supplement with a big signing or a big trade. Who knows? Yeah, no, it could be either. And there's pitchers available in both the signing and the trading market, but you just oh, have like to think who? about it. Pitcher, pitchers have... and hitters that are going to be available in the free agent market? Like who? Yamamoto. Is there maybe someone there's... that can do both someone... of that? What? Is no, there that someone that can exist. both pitch and hit? Oh. No, that's not a thing. Babe Ruth's dead. Oh. R.I.P. Though I heard he did some bad things. Who are you talking yeah. about? Maybe. He, what, uh, did Babe, Babe Ruth, Ruth set his, did he set his house on fire? Is that what fire. he did? Yeah, but it's not like his wife was stuck inside. His ex-wife. Sure, he did. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, if you're looking for someone who pitches and hits, who will take your team to the next level, Pablo Reyes. Oh, oh baby. yeah. Who did get a hit last night? He hit that but ball he hard. Did. <laughs> okay, yeah, Just well, leave it at that. You got a hit. Kind of an error, but kind of a hit. We'll take it, my sweet, sweet guy. So we're all we. I think we're all in agreement here, though, that uh overreaction by a lot of people out there a lot of red sox fans saying you know despite moving on from Corey kluber it's a bad move on heim's part because i i think heim bloom i think when he signed Corey kluber he did it with the intent of well there's a big possibility this exact thing will happen but so be it I, that's I mean, a failed signing the, yeah, that particular is. signing is a failure but like i mean i he was not signed to come in here and be the ace of the staff he was signed to come in here and do what he did last year, which was not walk anybody. And, you know, he, he didn't do that. He did quite the opposite. And I I have a hard time blaming management for something that I myself couldn't foresee and no one could foresee because how could you? He was in the 99th percentile in walk rate last year. Now was, he's what? I think it's 38th percentile. Like, how could you, yeah, how could you see that bad. coming? He's already got 18 walks. It's... And he had 21 all last year. Yeah. It's ugly. 
It's very ugly. But like, whatever, man. He's had so many. Himes had so many good moves and good signings, trades. Bite the bullet. It's a bad one. It happens. Nobody saw it coming. Figured he would regress, but he's completely fallen off a cliff. I, I didn't love the signing because I thought, oh, this is a number three or number four. He's not even yeah. a number five. No, he's not. He's not even he's a, not number a number six. six. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we got, um, I'd rather. I think. I think everyone saw it as like, oh, this isn't going to happen. I think if it worked out, I think everyone would have been like, oh, well, good for him. Yeah. But I, I'm hesitant on saying like it's a failure still, just because it's like that is the gamble that you take. Like you understand that there is a big upside for failure, and I, I get that. Like I'm, I'm now saying it's not a failure, but you take that upside. If there is a failure, I understand how that might sound of, of just, oh, Coop's just saying it's a failure, but not saying it's a failure. All right. But it is more of, he took that shot, it didn't work out, and it didn't cripple this team. Yeah. It would be a failure if it crippled this team. That's not yeah. what happened in this yeah, situation. I, I kind of agree. I think it's a failure, but it's a failure that did not cripple the team, and it happens. It's a blemish. Yeah, it's and just it's a not, blemish. It's not like it's... It's not like it's a poor approach or anything. Like we, I think we agree that going short term to till you get to that end of that bridge was the move. He just didn't hit on the right guy, and he's not going to bat a thousand. You know, he's he's going to have his failed signings. He has his failed trades too. It's going to happen. I think there's a lot that he's done that you can look at, particularly this year. I mean, he looks outside of Kluber. I mean, most of what he's done looks great. So. Yeah, I mean, I yes, this is a failed signing, but the the approach is sound. Overall, his performance this year has been good. I mean, we can talk about it all we want. You know, the fact of the matter is, if the team loses, there's going to be people on Twitter calling for Heim because that's just this fan base works. Yeah, can't God bless the Red Sox Twitter. Can't listen to the noise. It's a tough. Place. But on that note, but on that note, let's wrap it up. We've got a Celtics game to watch later. Uh, hopefully it goes well. Hopefully that you're listening to this as a reason to just carry that optimism from what the Celtics gave you. If not, and you're tuning into this just as a little levity to your day because the Celtics lost. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for listening. So might as well go ahead and subscribe if you haven't already, because this is Coop. That is Sammy. I'm Gordo. This is who says no on the Bradfoe show. Wait, what? <laughs> he just said you're Did Gordo. I- you're not Gordo. No, I'm, I'm Gordo. I'm Coop. That's Sammy. You're Gordo. I, I'm Gordo. The You're listener. Coop. The listener is Rob. We're really all Gordo when you think about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Verbal meme. It, the two astronauts in space looking down and one astronaut saying, oh, it's all Gordo. And the other astronaut with the gun up to his head. It's always Ben Gordo. I love how you preface that by saying verbal meme. Verbal meme. Before. Verbal meme. Verbal meme. Yeah. We are this all is, Gordo. Hey, This is audio format. I recognize that. I know what our listeners want. And that's why we're trying to give them the very best. So go ahead and subscribe and just keep interacting with us. At Bradfoe underscore show on Twitter. At Coop underscore Leon on Twitter for myself. And uh, at PB isn't boring as well because we've got to give Rob some love. Sammy, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Heeb, H-E-B, Hammer 94. Follow me. I'll follow you back, maybe. Ah, adorable. Cordo, where can I find you? Boston Sports Gordo on Twitter. You can find me at BOS Sports Gordo. Do a lot of fun stuff on Twitter. A whole lot of fun stuff. Just as we do here, and we appreciate you listening for the Bradfoe Show. I don't know why I just said it like that. For the Bradfoe Show, we'll catch you next week.